people understand how you take something of less value, put in some renovations and you can sell it for more. And so kind of hitting those key concepts and conversations is big, especially talking to newbies and healthcare professionals. Welcome to Surgeon Syndicate. If you're paying attention, you know that you only make money when you work. It might be great money, but it's dependent on you. The information on this podcast will help you solve that. We interview experts and provide analysis into financial freedom through commercial real estate. Why? To help physicians like you thrive. Let's dive in. All right. Welcome back to this episode of the Surgeon Syndicate. We are back again today with Savannah Arroyo, who is a nurse and founder of Net Worth Nurse and Invest Health. Welcome back to the show, Savannah. Hi. Yeah, thanks. Glad to be back. So we were having a discussion about the impact of talking about what you're doing and, and how it helps bring other people in and the worries about judgments, the people are, what are this you're doing? And you had discussed that a lot of your family was like, this is a crazy thing, you know, we're not going to do. But then after you did a couple deals, they started coming in. How's your family feel about it now? Yeah, um, definitely huge progress. Um, I think early on, those conversations are a lot harder with not as much experience. But then as you grow a portfolio and have some track record, then the conversations start to develop a little bit differently. But for me, what I focus on in my conversations with investors is really and this is where the healthcare professional comes out is assessment first. Like I'm always assessing where they stand. So when I'm hopping on with calls with investors or even sharing any of this information with people, it's what are your current investments? What are you currently invested in? Do you own your primary home? What does that look like? Did you get the financing for it to get a grasp of what do they understand about real estate? Because most people who own a primary home can attest to the fact that real estate appreciates like crazy. It becomes this little gold mine that you're sitting on that you don't even know about because you're paying down the mortgage payment and it's rising in value, inflation's pushing it. And so assessing is big for me and trying to understand where they're at. And then once I determine where they're at, then it becomes educating either on what basic returns are. I have a lot of healthcare professionals who come in to an intro call, they don't know what an ROI is or a cash on cash return. And so over the years, I've created content that speaks to some of these frequently asked questions. So I have a blog on my website that talks about real estate returns explained. I have a three minute doodle video that draws out logistically what a syndication is, because that's usually my number one question. How does a syndication work? And I have a doodle video for it on my YouTube, my website. So for me, it's educating, and then you can determine whether these investments are right for people. And that's such a great thing because real estate investments can have a huge variety of returns and also risk and safety that some really big projects, like if you drive by the big strip center close to the mall and it's got Best Buy and it's got Home Depot and all these class A tenants, those type of properties are often owned by bigger private equity companies, and they may only pay off 5%. But often the people who are investing, their goal is they've got a bucket of money and they just want it to, like I said, keep up with inflation, not go sideways. And so it's a very safe place to park money where there are other investments 
where if you take an apartment complex that uh, has been underappreciated or mismanaged and now you improve it and now you get better tenants who pay more rent and so the upside's a lot higher and so it's kind of all over the place depending on what people want to accomplish and that's a really cool thing about it is it doesn't have to always be the same thing there are deals that are a quicker turnaround and may have bigger rewards and possibly bigger risks and other ones that are longer slower grind and so really as you said you know doing the assessment what are you looking to get out of this mm -hmm. yeah so when you go into the hospital and we talked a little bit about family and you're around other nurses do you get people now asking you or how do you actively try and share it with them or you kind of leave it to the social media side and let people come to you? Yeah, it's been different in different roles that I've had and more of my administrative roles. It would be definitely nothing that I'm pitching people or anything like that. For me, it always comes up naturally in conversation. So if someone's like, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, I was up in Oregon visiting an apartment complex that we are about to buy. Wait, what? You're about to buy an apartment <laughs> complex? And then comes the follow-up questions, right? Like, oh, what are you doing this summer? Oh, we're thinking about buying another property. So doing this, that, and the other. And then it's like, oh, you invest in real estate. And so that's kind of how I initiate some of those conversations with people. And then you would never believe how quick it travels. Then I have so-and-so popping into my office like, hey, someone said you invest in real estate. Like, what's up? And so it's kind of like naturally led to conversations like that. And for me, it's it's a big learning curve for nurses, especially. I mean, I have nurses who have come to me or like, yeah, you know, I have $100,000 sitting savings, sitting in the savings account. You know, I've just never been big in the investing thing. And it takes that little piece of extra education to be like, you have that sitting in the savings account where you're not earning any income or residual off that. So you're losing money when you consider inflation into this, right? And so kind of having those turning points in conversations, a lot of people think real estate investing is so risky, yet the majority of their retirement savings in the volatile roller coaster stock market and watch it go up and down and heart sink and rise and real estate investing. It's just the re-education of this is a live, like a tangible asset, even going through the underwriting of this is how we're projecting our rents. Like this is how we're coming to our returns is based on information that we're getting from market analysis, from property managers, from brokers and realtors, from lending agencies. We're getting all the information that they're telling us based on what's going on and what historically has gone on. We're throwing it into a spreadsheet and now we're getting projected returns. So really going that extra step of showing how our business strategy works. I mean, people understand because they watch fix and flip shows and Joanna Gaines and that type of stuff, but they understand how you take something of less value, put in some renovations and you can sell it for more. And so kind of hitting those key concepts and conversations is big for me, especially talking to newbies and healthcare professionals. You know, and that's such a great educational thing because the risk part with the stock market and the way it goes and understanding the business model of whatever company or that most people now, or if it's your 401k, which is in a package of mutual funds, and really you're just investing in the whole economy and hoping. And I still have money in those places and that's fine. 
But when you look at individual real estate deals, like you said, when you're projecting returns, if you're buying an investment that can be 60% occupied as the break even, that it gives you a 8% return at 75% occupied, there you're meeting most stock market investments. But if you're in a market that there's a housing shortage, which is mostly everywhere, and that 95% occupancy, whether it's a commercial building or a, a residential building, now gives you 20 to 30% returns. I think that's the thing is sometimes people have a hard time with those projections or they want it to be solid. Like, tell me I'm going to get 15%. Like, <laughs> the only way you get set returns is when you get paid interest and nobody just pays that the straight interest. So I think that's a great thing with the education is people start to see how you can invest in things like you had said doing your assessment of what are you really interested in doing and once you understand that spread that i'm in some passive deals right now that are horribly underperforming and they're paying six percent so things are really haven't gone as planned and compared to what the stock market's done in the last year they're doing pretty good but on the other side, there's some that are spectacular compared to that and are doing great. And so it's, I don't know, it's a big process. When you were talking about people coming to you and you don't want to be promoting it. And this was a hard thing for me because it feels like a promotion sometimes, especially when it's your deal and you have some financial benefit to get from it. But I was talking to a mentor recently and he said, he goes, when you withhold that from the world and from your friends and your family and the people around you, because you are have some sort of hang up of not wanting to talk about it. I mean, you're not twisting their arm. You're not putting a gun to their head and forcing them to invest. You're just talking about it, but it gives them a chance to hear about it. And otherwise, they may never have that opportunity and you've withheld that opportunity from them. And when he told me that, I was like, oh, man, that's harsh. I want to live in my little private world. And now you're pushing me out to tell me I have to tell people what I'm doing. Yeah, it's a change of perspective for sure. And I love the trickle down that you told one person and now you got like the second or third person coming to you going, hey, you do this thing. Uh-huh. Tell me more about that. And you never know who's going to be the one that it really benefits the most. Exactly. All right. So what is, this might be a tough question or one a lot of people actually enjoy answering, what is the biggest mistake you've made in your real estate investing career? And what did you learn from it? Yeah, this happened our first syndication deal. And we early on to my husband and I, when we first started doing real estate syndications and decided we were going to build a business from it and raise capital from other investors. And we invested in a coaching program. So spent 30K, more than my master's degree in nursing. But for us, it was worth it to have the extra set of eyes looking over our shoulder at deals, bringing anything to our attention that we might miss. So we were working with that through our first deal. And when the deal was presented to us, it was a 12 unit and it was marketed that you could turn in the storage facility into an extra unit and therefore skyrocket the NOI, the net operating income, which does magic for you in the real estate world, adding extra units to multifamily deals. And so we were underwriting our deal with that into consideration. We had an engineer in the area go over there. He drew up sketches for us. 
gave us a bid, a proposal. We had that all in our underwriting and had that accounted for and a capital raise and double checked with everyone that it was good to go because our investing returns that we were projecting for investors was determined on that fact that we could turn that into a 13th unit. Close on the deal. Our engineers go to pull the permits from the city and no can do, could not build that extra unit. And I just could not believe it. I felt like we had done everything in our power to prevent mistakes like this from happening. Like one of the biggest reasons people are hesitant about investing in real estate is like for making these said costly mistakes. And I can still remember where I was in the hospital when I got that email that we weren't going to be able to do it. And just my stomach dropped. Like we have investors in these deals. Like couldn't believe it. But why I love working with my husband so much as we very much agree. And like when things like this happen, it's not the blame game. It's not pointing fingers. It's what can we do to solve this and make it right. And so we were able to work around. We redid the storages, didn't cost us a fraction of the money that we were originally projecting to do the repairs and renovation. And then we ended up renting out these storage units to the tenants. So we were able to generate, make up for some of that lost income there. And so the deal ended up doing better, but this was still a hard, hard lesson early on. And to be very honest, every deal we do, something pops up. At one point in the closing period, whether it's with financing, inspections, with investors and raising capital, there are things that go wrong I swear, every stage of the deal. And now it's the mentality of like, let's push through it. How do we overcome? How do we problem solve? And having that attitude has been big moving through these deals. I find that to be one of the funnest things, the creative problem solving. And once you get going, because you remember your first deal and it was this huge thing. And then in later deals, it just happens. And you're like, okay, what are we going to do with this? There's a solution. And so you took it. Yeah, you couldn't have people live there, but you could still rent it. That was a great solution. Let's go to the deal. So when you're looking for deals, what do you think is the number one thing in looking for a, a deal? So for us, what we really look for as just, I mean, getting deal flow is value add opportunities. So rents below market is really the biggest thing that we see on deals that we get and have been successful for us. And so rents can be below market on a building for a ton of different reasons, but it usually boils down to the owner is not pushing the rents either because they own a bunch of other real estate and this one's sitting on the back burner or that they are just not motivated to generate income. Whereas us, we have investors. And so we're pushed and motivated to earn that income. So a lot of different reasons why these buildings, why the rents start to fall below market. And then as a business owner, as a real estate, as a landlord, you're only able to raise rents every year in these contracts. And as people turn so that's kind of why they fall below. And so we go out and find these buildings with usually below market rents, on deferred maintenance. So it could be well, windows, roof, it could be a seller who doesn't want to do all that. And they'd rather just get rid of it and sell it to someone who is willing to go in there and do that hard work. And so for us, these are the value add opportunities that we're out looking for. You know, the below market rents, I heard a colleague say once when they started looking at syndications, they felt bad about investing in a property that somebody was going to raise the rent. And the interesting thing is often you don't have to raise somebody's rent because units turn over 
and we had this after COVID that one property that all of my expenses just exploded. And I was like, oh my goodness, we're heading underwater. And it took a few months lag, but then rents started coming up because they have to. And as one tenant moved out and we kind of looked at where the market was and we changed the rent on this apartment by, I don't think it went from 1500 to 1800 And we put it out and advertised it and it felt crazy because it was such a big difference and people swarmed. They were more than happy to pay that. And it was a new tenant. It was just the price to move in. And so it's not always this, I think we see on TV shows that some person and the mean landlord comes. And most of the time for us and our deals, it's coming with repairs and maintenance. So we're doing huge transformations to these buildings. And so the rent is justified just by the overall. I mean, it looks better in the community having a building where before the windows and the roof and the paint are all battered. I mean, we go in and really transform these buildings. And then the um, turnover happens kind of naturally in these value add deals because you start to lose almost the lower quality of tenants in some sense. Not all of them are, but some of them that are very below market are not the best tenants. And so they're looking for the next cheap place to live. And so it really is kind of a natural transformation in the value add process. And you talked about it on the last episode, a better place to live with better amenities and often building a community that's really just such a nice place versus the other stuff. So before we finish up here, last questions. As you went through your educational process, was there one particular source like a book or a video or a course that you found to be the most valuable thing in learning about real estate? Oh man, early on, I would definitely say Bigger Pockets, their foundation in the real estate space and overall just kind of learning the language, getting the scope of the field, just different strategies, resources. It's a good all-encompassing umbrella for sure. As I've moved further along in my career, it's been more like think and grow rich mindset stuff has been huge. Who, not how, different books, podcasts. I'm always learning. That was awesome. You took my next question, which was going to be, well, (laughs) how about a non-real estate book that has affected your real estate journey? And the think and grow rich and the who, not how is probably the most common one I hear because it's such a big thing. And it comes in so many different places. When you have a problem that's outside of your expertise, don't try and solve the problem. Find somebody who's already an expert at that. And you just leapfrog through stuff. It's a great change of perspective. So definitely. All right, Savannah, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been awesome. For everybody out there, please Give us a review. The review helps in many different ways, and especially it helps us know what you're looking for and what you'd like to see so we can adapt future shows. Thank you very much and hope to see you again soon. This has been an episode of Surgeon Syndicate. If you found value in this episode, no other surgeons are hungry to become job optional. You can help them by sharing this content today. I also want to serve you better, so I want to offer you two things. Number one, I'll be able to give you the content in an even better way if you can take a moment and leave an honest review of the show explaining what you like and what you don't. 
Number two, if you are a surgeon and serious about this, you don't want to do this on your own because you don't want to make mistakes with your money. I'd be happy to help. Schedule a call. We can make a plan. Looking forward to having you with me on the next episode.